Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, junior reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today we have a very special guest because I am joined by a member of PMW's editorial team, our associate editor and resident data expert, Sarah Dennis. Thanks for joining me today, Sarah. Oh, thanks for having me, Lucy. And Sarah, can you tell me why this is also a very special episode this week? It might have something to do with the fact that an incredibly special annual event is going on this week, and you can feel my excitement. It is indeed (laughs) the Eurovision Song Contest. I mean, this is like the Olympics for me uh, (laughs) and for loads of other people all around the world, not even just in Europe. The US have even got their own version of it now, which just shows just the fact that the imagination is still there and the whole sort of purpose of it in the first place. Place is still alive but apart from everything else I just love it it's the cheesiest but also in some ways the most attention grabbing thing you can actually watch on TV mm, yeah especially for the uh, countries involved remind me who hosts the US version my understanding is it's Kelly Clarkson formerly of what was American Idol yeah. and rather bizarrely Snoop Dogg which <laughs> uh, yeah. I suspect will be a winning combination but they do it state by state so basically okay. all, all the US states are battling it out for glory as the top singing state of the US. Whereas in Europe, we have, well, 43 countries that we're hoping to compete. It'll get down to a final of around 26. Mm -hmm. So 26 Mm -hmm. countries are going to be singing their hearts out this weekend, dancing their hearts out, probably releasing pyrotechnics everywhere, CGI, (laughs) you've got it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did a lot of theatre at uni and at school and it's Eurovision to me is like using all the elements you can, you know, there's fire, there's smoke, there's light, there's glitter, no, no one holds back. It's like, let's tick every box we can. Yeah, absolutely. People call it a guilty pleasure. I personally don't feel any guilt about loving this whatsoever. (laughs) But the fact is, it's just one of those where you can just completely let yourself go. It's just the best thing ever. I have been watching it since I was a child, so a fair number of years, and I never miss it year on year. I have a slightly geeky, sad, encyclopedic knowledge of certain songs and certain (laughs) entries. For example, my favourite ever winner, probably controversially, is 2006, which gives you an idea of how old I am, uh, Lordy's Hard Rock Hallelujah, where the Finnish gargoyles basically just burst onto the stage with their little plastic finish hat (laughs) and just rocked it out and just absolutely captured the imagination of pretty much every I think it was one of the few that got 12 points across everywhere okay I mean I can just I don't know if anyone can hear Sarah smiling as you're listening to this (laughs) she is beaming and I've been working with you for five months ish yeah something at the moment and I think this might have been mentioned in the first day (laughs) yeah the priorities um, on Sarah's list yeah well most people that are into it basically start thinking about it pretty much as soon as the previous years is over and obviously we're in Italy this year sadly because of various travel restrictions because the other thing that people might know me is that I tend to try and follow the Eurovision around so I do (laughs) tend to try and get to the country where it's being hosted the following year obviously not important enough to actually get in but find a party venue because a lot of countries I would say in Europe are probably a little bit more open to it than we are in terms of public appreciation mm-hmm. of such a beautiful thing. No, fair enough. Well, before we get completely derailed of our conversation, let's find out a little bit more about you. And well, first, mind introducing yourself and telling us what you do at PMW? Yeah, of course. So I'm the associate editor here at PMW. I, I work in the editorial team. My role is primarily 
to take a lot of our data coverage, our data analysis, and turn that into insight. So whether that be an insight into workforce trends or what people are going to be clicking on in terms of search volumes. Obviously, we, I get the information from a lot of third parties and we digest that and try and turn that into actionable insight for PMW readers. But I also contribute to the news and other analysis sections. There's a section on PMW called News in Numbers, which basically is, is my baby and I tend to like putting out the graphs. The thing that I particularly like about it is I really like to try and get into the so what factor. So mm. it's really easy with data. That's the whole point, isn't it? Precisely. You know, if it's just the numbers, that's great, but it's the why. Why is this important? Absolutely. It's really easy to say things go up a bit and things go down a bit. <laughs> um, but unless you get the why and what does this mean? And I, I guess more importantly, performance marketing, why that matters and what impact that is going to have. That's the thing that we really want to try and get out of it. And that's what my role is here to bring. Brilliant. So Sarah's our resident numbers gal. That's what we've got. That's what we understand. And as this week's attention seeker, we want to know, first off, I mean, I think I can guess the answer to this, but what is getting your attention this week? Well, I think it's fair to say that various aspects of the Eurovision have got my attention this week. I mean, I've done my own searches on things like how to craft the perfect Eurovision winner, mainly just try and sort of get mm. my own predictions in order. I have been reasonably successful about predicting the winner in previous years. I've probably got about 70% in the last 10 years or so. <gasps> oh, really? You've yeah. got a bit of crystal ball in front of you, haven't sort you? Sort of, yeah. Certainly top three, top four. So I think it's fair to say that Eurovision is been pretty much all on my mind this week apart from obviously my day job and we reached out to Pinterest this week who have been kind enough to indulge my attention and actually <laughs> help me prove my point that Eurovision isn't just this sad person sitting here sort of beaming about it it's everywhere so Pinterest actually found that month on month UK searches for Eurovision itself are up 150% so as the competition's ramping up it's getting up there and it's getting attention fancy dress is 10% up and what's interesting about that, which Pinterest actually pointed out themselves, is that people are searching for fashion inspiration using Eurovision icons. So mm. no, everybody knows who Abba is, surely, who yep. is probably the most successful Eurovision winner of all time. So searches for Abba outfits were actually up 25% in the UK. Mm. And actually having watched some of this year's Eurovision in terms of the rehearsals, there's definitely a retro and a disco vibe going on. So you can see that people are actually being influenced by it in terms of fashion as well, which I think speaks volumes about the fact that far from just being what people would call a cheesy pop song contest, people are really sort of taking it to their hearts. It's also fair to say that we can't ignore the Eurovision parties. I mean, searches for that were 7% up month on month, which will include the infamous Eurovision drinking games. So, uh, yes. yes, down a shot for every key change you hear in a song, down a <laughs> shot for every piece of pyrotechnics that appears on stage. How long does it take one to get drunk if I were to be doing this this weekend which obviously I'm not <laughs> yeah if you followed the drinking game rules to the letter you'd probably be falling off your chair with it with by about song three song three say. okay yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's a quick yeah it can be it's a very very quick it's a quick increase if we were going to put put in, the numbers in news <laughs> indeed and I must say look please drink responsibly guys if you are watching it this weekend and how I tend to do it is I tend to only stick to sort of one or two of the rules and we divide it up and then that way you yeah, can yeah, stay yeah. a bit more controlled and in, indeed at Actually enjoy the festivities and the show for what it really is. Yes, yeah, we've got to share share the weight. Exactly. Share the weight, as it were. Yeah. Well, since you've raved about your crystal ball skills, can we get a winner's guess out of you? If you know, if 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 I was a, a gambling woman, 
Where would I put my money? So I've been looking at, obviously, various odds. I'm not a betting person, but I've, I think it's fair to say that the Ukraine has got a very, very high chance mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And actually, the song itself is pretty, is really pretty strong. It really they, is. Did they win recently? They won in 2016, oh, the okay. last time okay. they won. Yeah. They came very high up last year, though, with a very techno-inspired track. But this year has got a more rap, folky vibe. And it's actually quite a heartwarming story behind it. And But it's genuinely quite a good song. Other entries that are being tipped is the Norwegian entry, which I urge anyone. It's a very, very big treat. But then, and I'm not just saying this because I am British, for once, the UK entry is being tipped to do very well. And it's the song that is actually has lots of meat behind it. So oh, I that's think... good, because I've always been a little nervous, maybe even embarrassed to <laughs> watch ourselves get on stage. That's good to hear. So No, I think it's... I think this is potentially, I I could be eating my words in a few days' time, (laughs) but I think this is a slight turning point for us this year. And I think currently we're tipped fourth to win. You mentioned the Pinterest trend tool, which we reached out to, and they um, followed their searches and and they can predict trends from it. But I think what we're going to try and prove to you by the end of this episode is that Eurovision isn't so different from marketing. You can use the same kind of techniques, skills, knowing your audience, as you would in performance marketing. Oh, absolutely, precisely. I mean, as an interesting stat, so one of the most famous things about Eurovision is songs with a key change in it. So literally towards the end of the song, you have an infamous key change. Mm -hmm. Usually if people are sitting down, they stand up and it's there. However, in the last 20 years, only three songs with a key change have won the Eurovision. So it is becoming less of a thing. Mm. And if we then sort of link that back to performance marketing, I think the message there is to find your tone and find your tone of voice and stick to it and make sure that you're keeping that tone of voice real for your actual audience. So that's one element of it. Another one is around keeping authentic. I would say that there have been some Eurovision songs in the past that have been put out there just to be either controversial or just to be a little bit different. But if it doesn't link back to the identity, it tends not to do so well. I mean, not mentioning any names, but we've had songs that have had a bunch of yodelling in it, where yodelling is not a big thing in the country. I will mention an infamous one from the UK in 2006 that had a real sort of hardcore rap vibe. And I think it's fair to say that we in the UK are not known for our rap and hip-hop prowess. And We're getting there, we're getting there, but I will admit (laughs) it's not as strong as... America, for sure. Precisely. So that authenticity, I think, is... uh, And performance marketing world, we hear a lot about authenticity in messaging, both from a brand and performance perspective and how the two should really align. So I think that's definitely one that you can see where there's a link between what does well in the Eurovision and what arguably is meant to do well in performance marketing. Okay, great. And still getting to know our attention seeker this week. I want you to tell me about a time where you have done something completely ridiculous for attention. Oh, God. So (laughs) I'm excited to hear what you're going to say because I feel like it might be quite bad. Um... It's obviously got a Eurovision uh, link to it, but, and I need to point out that this was in my much younger, much stupider, and much less tech savvy days. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Just uh, get on. So, <laughs> so I really, really wanted to get into finding my voice on Twitter and commenting on mm-hmm. Twitter. So I thought, what? better time to do it than the Eurovision Song Contest, something I really love talking about. So basically just posting tweet after tweet about songs, commenting on singers, not in a really horrible way, but some choice comments about, say, clothing and use of weird dance techniques Mm -hmm. and so on. Unfortunately, I happen to have both my own personal Twitter feed and my then works 
Twitter feed on my phone no. and I got the two mixed up. Oh, so that is a nightmare. Yeah, so all of my professional followers were getting tweets from me way up till sort of midnight on a Saturday night, effectively banging on about, we all know why some entries are getting attention and so on. And yeah, a couple of really particularly choice comments around the songs themselves. Weirdly enough, the followers absolutely loved it. And I do remember getting a tweet back going, loving your commentary on the Eurovision. This is just amazing, <laughs> you're human. However, my colleagues and more senior bosses were less but impressed about the entire mm. thing. And they were, they were very they were much more lenient when they realised it was a genuine accident. But it was my bid to get attention that just went a bit drastically wrong. That's completely wrong because you were using the wrong account. But there is a fine balance. In our next week's episode, we have John Thornton from Innocent Drinks who talks about finding the line when it's OK to step over it. But I think there was no line in this case whatsoever. Sadly not. <laughs> And performance marketing is all about ratings. So we want to know what is overrated and underrated, in your opinion, in the industry. So let's start with overrated. I'd say what's overrated is the perceived knowledge of everything and everyone about performance marketing from everyone and everything in performance marketing, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So everyone in performance marketing that I've met wants to learn more, wants to develop more, wants to be the best that they can be and have the most impact in terms of what they do. But there is so much out there in performance marketing. Tech changes, you know, it's fair to say, almost daily. There's always something new to think about. There's always something new to consider. And I feel that some people in the industry might feel that others are a bit more ahead of the curve than they are. And that might hold people back a little bit in terms of, wanting to voice effectively a lack of knowledge mm -hmm. or at least be clear that actually, you know, what you don't know, you don't know and let's find out more. I think that it's probably fair to say that a lot of people think everyone knows more than they do mm -hmm. in the industry. And certainly when I've spoken to people for various elements, one of the, in terms of questions that I've asked, one of the answers I get quite regularly is, oh, can we keep this broad? Yeah. Uh, can we make it less technical? Can we not make it so technical? Which does speak volumes in terms of that sort of attention to detail. And they probably do know it, but they don't necessarily know what it relates to or how to voice it. Well, completely. I think there's a lot of very specific niches within performance marketing. And I think people are scared to get it wrong because it's so technical and yeah. because we speak with so many leaders of the industry and they're all fantastic. And they're all, I think, a little afraid to appear like they don't know. But it's just because it is it is so vast and so specific. Well, also so results driven as well. So I think that's a, another factor of it is Completely. that you, you, by whatever you choose and whatever metric you use, you're, you're effectively putting your money where your mouth is. Mm. And that can be, I suspect, quite a scary thing. It's daunting. You've got to be brave. Yeah. yeah, to bank on something, particularly if it's new and it's a little bit different and it's not a tried and tested method that we just do the same thing because we did it last year or some, and so on. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if I was to ask you what you think is underrated in the industry, what do you think should get more attention? Uh, I'm going to say it just because it's my baby, but the true use of data and what it actually can do. Mm -hmm. So I am the first to admit that I have been in positions where I've just chucked numbers at people and the first question that I get asked back is, 
what do I do with this then? And I think that there is the massive issues. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of metrics. I mean, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago where researchers found that there was 170 different metrics measured across about a thousand award entries. So, I mean, that's just that's enormous. Oh, my gosh. So what do you choose? What is your purpose? Why are you choosing that? What impact are you trying to show? It's easy enough to say things are up a little, things are down a little, but not so much is made of, okay, so we saw an increase in this. Why? How? And what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Now, pure numbers alone can't tell you that, but how you kind of interact with the data I th is the bit that's underrated. It can, If it's just chucked at you on a dashboard or worse in a spreadsheet, those heavy days, yeah. um, <laughs> then you can't really see the wood for the tree sometimes. And I think that there needs to be, I guess, a little bit more joining up as to why you are using that data and infinitely then it will become more valuable because you know what you're using it for. I think loads of people are guilty of just being able to say, oh, we've had an increase in this thing. And that could be anything to it was put out on a certain day, it was put out at a certain time, it was put out in a certain format. But without that sort of longer term look at data rather than the more short term is here's a set of numbers and it proves this. It's basically about the so what factor, isn't yeah. it? That's that's all it is. I mean, with anything, you think, here are the facts. Why do you want to know this? But also it's saving people time because otherwise you're having, you know, people have to do their own kind of analysis. And it's great, you know, it's important to have everyone's different perspectives. Definitely. But people need to bring a perspective. And you're scrambling around in the dark otherwise. And I think that's, that's, that's the worry. It, it may be being unfair for me to say that it's underrated in the industry. I think everybody wants the so what factor, but they either don't know how to get it or... It can be a bit too much work to get into the weeds of it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's exactly where you come in. Isn't it? <laughs> I will certainly try. <laughs> Before we move on, I've got to ask, can you give me your overrated and your underrated Eurovision entry? OK, let's start with our underrated, which I have to say for 2022 has got to be Norway. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it has. A lot of people will find it, dare I say it, silly, and it will be perceived as taking the mick when other people are. Okay. But for me, it's a piece of just genius. It takes a well-known fairy tale, Little Red Riding Hood, and turns it into a really quite crafted song. And it's fair to say that the lyrics are pretty ingenious. They're not. It, it, you can't take it seriously. It's not a song about peace. It's not a song about love. The chorus line is actually repeated several times. Before the wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. So, oh you know, right, yeah. okay. So, but if you actually see and if you listen to the song, just listen to the song, you're thinking, what on earth is this? But actually, you see it come together on stage, and yeah, I, I'd be hugely surprised if it won. But it is a piece of genius. And your overrated entry? Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm going to say collectively the sort of ballad heavy entries that have been in this year. Okay. Just because I feel that's that... That's quite common for Eurovision, no? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's definitely more so this year. So having watched a few of them now, I'd say the Greek entry is probably slightly overrated in terms mm -hmm. of a song that really grabs you. Okay. Um, it just gets a bit lost, does it? It does, in my mind. And there are others. It's not the only one. There are other songs that... And again, not lost because they're in, they're there amongst the dancier or the, the parodying ones and so on just a bit lost amongst the noise and I think going back to the sort of linked performance marketing there's a lot of performance marketing 
a lot of email marketing, for example, that goes on. And I think if you can't have something that really, really stands out to your target audience, which, to be fair to these competitors, is the entirety of Europe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's not do them down a little bit. But it's got to be something that sort of grabs the world. Some of the previous winners have really genuinely grabbed the attention of the whole of Europe and beyond and the fact that you've even got Australia competing in the Eurovision Song Contest now. Yeah, how have they managed to get in? I it, don't understand. It was a sort of a special thing because uh, historically Australia loves the Eurovision Song Contest mm. and Australians in general are huge fans. So on the Eurovision's 50th anniversary, Australia were allowed to compete as a sort of special guest, mm -hmm. but they did so well they that they in. just keep being a feature and they have actually made it to the finals most years. Well, good for them and good luck, Australia. <laughs> So I'd like to talk to you about best practice or what you think is best practice in the industry. So can you talk about maybe something recent that you've written about and how it got your attention, but also other people's attention and how successful it was? I think I've got the perfect example and we've just been published on uh, Performance Marketing World this week and going back to the thought about ta everyone taking a step in the dark and being brave and trying something new. A case study of a charity called Charity Water, which was trying to make people aware of the current water crisis. So the main message being that, amongst other things, 770 million people are living without clean water globally, which that's 10 times the population in the UK. It's, mm. it's huge. And they wanted to get people's attention around that, but they also wanted to make them take an action to pledge to their clean water ped campaign. So pledge their support. And they and their agency partnered with an ad tech platform called Interact. Interact particularly work within the gaming sector. So if I take a step back, imagine if you are playing a game and, and an annoying sort of pop-up ad comes up, or worse, you've got that, oh, it's 30 seconds until this ad closes and so mm, on. Yeah. It's jarring, it's interrupting, it's annoying. So Interact um, and their platform takes things a bit differently. And as part of this campaign with Charity Water, they picked two of their games because Interact are owned by a gaming developer called Playstack that had a water theme. So in this case, an aquarium game and a sea park game. Mm -hmm. And they placed immersive ads into the game for Charity Water. So you're playing the game walking along the street and there's a billboard that looks like it's part of the game, but it has the ad and the messaging in it. I see, And yeah. it's, it's just, for me, really clever because what it means is that you're actually interacting with the ad in the game. But the thing that really grabbed my attention on this one, it's all very well for them to be able to watch the ad, but what they wanted to see is if people would actively click on the ad to then be taken to Charity Water site to find out more about the clean water mm -hmm. pledge and so on. So you're physically getting people to make the choice to leave their game to go and find out more. Surely that's not very enticing. Apparently so. One, so it worked? It worked. One in four of those that were playing the game clicked through made the active decisions click through, which I think is immensely powerful in all honesty. Definitely. I think that's really great. I think you're not kind of forcing them on them or fooling them into it. Precisely that. And it goes back to that. You're giving the people the opportunity to make that decision themselves. They were leaving a game that arguably they love playing to find out more. They were making that click through themselves. It wasn't popped up at them. And I think that from a, both an awareness and purpose perspective, but also a performance one, it's just a case study that sort of stood out for me this week. Fantastic. We kind of touched on this earlier about how marketing and Eurovision aren't so different. So can you tell me how to create a successful 
Eurovision contestant and how this can be taken into the performance marketing world. Okay, I can certainly try. Keeping an eye on trends. Mm -hmm. That is not follow last year's winner. So one thing for performance marketers... Don't just do something because you did it last year and it worked last year. Things have moved on. Things are different. Anticipating and also almost sort of being a bit forecasty about what mm-hmm. what is going to grab people's attention. But definitely don't repurpose what, what went on a year before. So I think that's point one. Authenticity. So the realism element. There's probably a gazillion examples of performance marketing campaigns where that authenticity isn't there. And we've all heard the sort of horror stories about companies pretend you're putting out green messages or ethical messages or environmentally conscious messages where you know or you found out later on that that's not the case mm. you've Similar. got to practice what you preach and that you can't put out one message and not yeah precisely to and there are some eurovision entries that just dare to be a bit different for the sake of being different and i think that what seems to sort of strike a bit more probably in recent times as we've had more and more entries to the eurovision because there's now sort of 43 countries that compete to get a place in the final when it first started out in 1957 58 it was eight. So really? you can see how that's grown. Mm. And I think that one of the things that people that enter the Eurovision Song Contest don't necessarily always get is actually try and be authentic to your country. That might not always be possible in terms of the, you know, certain, you know, certain music genres and so on. But certainly don't try and do something that really bears no resemblance to what you as an everyday person would be. I guess it's about relating to your audience, isn't it? So, Absolutely. you know, you've got to base your campaign or base your Eurovision entry in the audience that you're trying to attract. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where you win hit goals. Yeah, and as I say, we, you know, let's not be too hard on people because the audience they're trying to attract is, to a degree, millions and millions and millions of people across Europe who are all different and all individuals. But it is it's trying to find something that might actually... Feel authentic. If you're singing about love, then you're feeling it. If you're singing about peace, you're feeling it. If you're a yodeler, you're yodeling because it's something that actually happens in your everyday life. They're practicing what you preach. And I think mm-hmm. performance marketers, particularly on that outcome base, we know full well that consumers or users or whoever your audience is, if you don't get that authentic experience you're promised, then you won't come back. And I know from various data that I've seen that, as an example, if your end-to-end customer experience is not what you expect it to be, it's you're, you're going to be turned off it and you're not going to come back to that brand. The same would apply to a particular song in the Eurovision. Mm-hmm. Well, we have now come to my favourite part of the podcast, which is all about getting my attention, which is the resell me a pen section. And I'm going to give you a timer on this one. 30 seconds to sell me Eurovision because it is divisive. Not everyone likes it. I am on the fence to not on the fence, as it were, (laughs) as in on the fence to almost disliking it. So it's just never something that I've managed to get on board with. So, but I I know you're a fan. Sell me Eurovision and your time starts now. Eurovision is a platform that allows reach globally. It's not just Europeans. It's a, a song contest that unites everyone all over the world. It's also great for trends. It's there to bring trends, ascent trends. Last year's uh, winning country actually used one of um, the world's most famous beauty influencers to host it as an example. So it definitely is getting there. And yeah, it's, it's, it's one that is a global audience that you can craft your own message. And we have come to time. Well, thanks, Sarah. That was... That was pretty convincing. So instead of giving you a score, I'm going to give you where I think you'd come if you if this was a Eurovision entry. 
And I'm going to give you a valiant third place. Oh, I like that. Okay. You're on the podium. That, you are on be... the podium. Yeah, the, on the podium, which means very few nil pois, which is the, the obvious catchphrase that goes along with many Eurovision songs. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode, Sarah. I've definitely learned that Eurovision is not that different from marketing. In fact, they're very similar. It's just about relating to people. And I hope we have satisfied your attention-seeking desires this week. Well, thank you so much, Lucy. If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website at performancemarketingworld.com. And don't forget to look out on our socials, which are linked in the site and in this episode's description, to send in suggestions for next time's Resell Me a Pen Challenge. And also in case Sarah Dennis does take over them again and post some slightly concerning tweets. Thank you all for listening and I look forward for you to join me next time.